0: Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to part two of Phyrexia, new and old. We are here with Dan, myself, and Dionekis. Really, dude? Definitely hate those sounds.
1: Hey, how's it going, everyone? (laughs) 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 Um,
2: Last time we were talking lore, we left you guys off with... uh, we, we ended with the end of Mirrodin and kind of Memnarch, and we'll probably touch on Memnarch again because Memnarch was such a big part of New Phyrexia and what happens there. But let's just get right into a quick refresher of what New Phyrexia actually is, because we talked Phyrexia and Yawgmoth so deeply last time. We're, what are the Phyrexians kind of doing right now?
0: Yeah, so originally New Phyrexia was known as Argentum, and it was made by Karn, uh, Urza's little metal baby. And, um, it was renamed by the Mirari, uh after they sort of took command of the plane, um, with the help of, the, of their warden, Memnarch. The outer sphere of the plane has a circumference of 1,400 kilometers, with a diameter of around 450 kilometers. Fun little fact there. Uh, most of Mirrodin's, uh, metal based, but a lot of it is mixed up with organic compounds, so it's a lot of, like, razor grass and little little mirror dudes running around, stuff like that. Um oceans filled with quicksilver just uh, think artifact plane that's essentially what it is and then essentially mirrodin has slowly but surely succumbed to the uh, glistening oil as we say and i'll kind of leave that at a dot 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 as we continue onward
2: yeah it was i believe it was memnark who made it kind of turn into living things right by kidnapping it and bringing them to the plane
0: yes yeah
2: yeah everything was just metal and artifacts
0: and he brought the organic material in and tried to sort of combine it with uh, with the artifacts.
2: Yeah, I, I like that if description recall, there. Even the most delicate flower was made of metal.
0: <laughs>
1: if I recall, his original um, plan was to turn the organic matter into a spark.
2: Yeah, exactly. He wanted to harvest a spark, turn it into living beans with his uh, spark trap. Uh, so Myridon, as we talked a little bit about last time, has a bunch of like suns. Uh according to the Phyrexian Field Report, there are now three spheres in uh three spheres in Mirrodin, The surface, the interior, and the furnaces. So the Phyrexians are currently working on adding spheres to it, presumably to create the original Phyrexia, which had like, remember the ocean of glistening oil on one of its uh levels, that kind of stuff.
0: <laughs>
2: um, yeah. So uh, I'll let Evan start with the uh, the moons here.
0: Yes. The moons, also known as the suns, which we kind of know them more as. I've only really known them as the suns until we started to research into this plane. Yeah. Um, But the plane's inhabitants actually called them the moons. And there are about five of them, one for each uh, color of mana. Uh, although the green sun wasn't really there until later on in Mirrodin slash Phyrexia's history. The uh, the people made folklore sort of around the moons and gave them names. There are the Bringer, the Eye of Doom, Ingle, the Sky Tyrant, and Lies.
2: Yeah, and that was the green one that finally showed up. Yep. Yeah, I think Probably. they showed up in Wooburg order, is that right?
0: From what i we? yeah. It looks like they kind of slowly and surely made their way sort of on and surrounding the plane.
2: Yeah, I I didn't read but it seems like the Sky Tyrant would be the red moon.
0: Um the green moon was actually yep. made uh, by Yeah, it's associated Galissa. with bringing uh, the red dog, red sun Beacon of destruction.
2: Yeah, the green one is Glissa's Spark, right?
0: Uh yes. Yeah. Yes, cuz it's when it's when Glissa threw her body into Mirrodin's core and, and the mana from like... her sort of essence became the fifth of
2: Yeah, the spark went to Slowbad, right? But it was just the that finally made the moon... What was the name of that set? Fifth, Fifth Dawn. Fifth um, yeah, there it is. Yeah. And that's that's when the green moon finally shows up, or sun.
1: And then... Yes? After that, once Karn came back, um, he brought everyone back, except all but one troll, half the elves, and a third of the humans disappeared without a trace. And that was the vanishing... And the, their descendants called it the Sun's Toll, which is where we the get sun's the toll. card. So that's uh, probably
2: when that captured people went back home, right?
1: Yeah. And we got, and that's also the reason we got the Thrun, uh, the last troll. What was that card? It's an enchantment. Asceticism.
2: Oh, Asceticism, yeah.
1: Yeah, he good was the last party. remaining troll. That's a
2: really good card, to be honest. Oh, because they all disappeared. That's sad. I didn't know that.
1: Yeah, right. Also, another fun fact that, is trolls are very resistant very due to their regenerative ability to glistening oil.
2: Okay. Oh. Um, so yeah, in we, we should probably go trust. in we should probably go a little bit into Geth. So I'm going to read a bit about Geth because he he's very important at a certain part. So uh, Geth ruled the Mephadros, meth, uh, That's a weird word from the throne of the Vault of Whispers, owning his uh, owning his powers to the control over the vampire and the dross. This, however, would eventually lead to his downfall. One of his many subjects, a man named Yurt, ended up allying with Glissa during her trip into the dross. She slaughtered Yurt's reaper, a very powerful zombie, and then felt sorry when he broke down crying as a result. He agreed to help her achieve her goal so long as she would get him a new zombie to control. Geth, angered at Glissa's impertinence, ordered his pet vampire to attack while she defect... Defeat... Oh, I cannot read today. Which she defeated after grievously wounding it with no choice geth told glissa that she wanted to know which way oh man i cannot read this it's such small writing geth told glissa what she wanted to know uh to get her to leave more quickly unfortunately the vampire's wounds were severe enough only an extensive feeding would save it so basically he was he was not a good person in general like he wanted to kill glissa who was the big part
0: but his name is yurt what he what he had I mean, he kind of deserved what he what he got based on just how douchey of a person he was. But I I don't really expect anyone named Yurt to be a good person. They, they seem yeah. Good.
2: <laughs> well, yeah he uh, he wanted to go and basically just get like a new undead toy. He, yeah.
0: Yeah. Good old Yurt, and so but, he was uh, fed to a vampire, which is pretty much ensured his death. But, but did he stay dead? No, he did not <laughs> And then he rose as a vampire himself And overthrew Geth after beheading him Geth, however, managed to preserve his head as a lich And helped uh, Glissa acquire the shield of Caldra From the new vampire scourge That was sweeping across the dross from his former throne In exchange for uh, Geth's help, though He kind of wanted a new body Because right now he's really just kind of a head So uh, Karn uh, eventually returned back to Mirrodin And uh, he made Geth one of the guardians of the Mirari, and he was placed upon a Memnite, which would serve as his new appendage.
2: So, yeah, undead Lich Geth kind of gets a little more heavy metal with that, though. After Glissa disappears... Yeah, after Glissa disappears following the events of the Fifth Dawn, Geth returned to the uh, Mephidras in his new state, where he struggled to recover control over the Nym. During this time, the Phyrexian Corrosion of Mirrodin began in Erdus, and Geth was offered a new Phyrexian body, arachnoid, repulsive, and unnaturally strong. <laughs> Absolutely yoked. Uh using this power. Po- yeah, using this power he wiped out contenders to the Vault of Whispers, claiming it as his own. Now he rests in the Ishsa controlling the Black Lacuna, biding his time and learning about the Phyrexian invaders. He knows that soon he'll have to repay them for his powers, but for now, they and he are content to wait. So Geth is he's um what are they what do they call him? It's the
0: Chillin. Oh, it's the the,
2: the Thanes. So he's he's like this like half android undead lich Phyrexian thing. Golly! Total traitor to the that plane. That
0: totally Phyrexian. Really, really just a badass kind of.
2: Yeah, he's pretty crazy though. Yeah,
0: I mean, glistening oil seems to kind of do that to people. It it's had that same sort of effect on uh good old good old Memnarch.
2: Yeah. Yeah,
0: mm, I don't know. Um, yeah, I'll let
2: cool. uh, I'll let one of you guys jump into the Mirrodin besieged part.
0: Ooh, besieged. No. <laughs> not a not a not a fan here. <laughs> oh. Wow. Um, so Mirrodin... Um so going going back to Mirrodin besieged here, uh Karn unknowingly brought the glistening oil to Mirrodin, And that kind of because, you know, glistening oil is a substance that is, that's attracted to artifacts and sort of tries to make its way through artifacts and take control of it, and Mirrodin's an all artifact plane, so you can kind of see where this is going. Um Mirrodin, the the virus spread pretty pretty quickly.
2: Yeah, um, that's why it wasn't good in Kaldheim, but yes. very, very different on the metal world. Yes.
0: Uh first first one infected was of course the man in charge, Memnark. Um unbeknownst to the most of the Mirrodins, though, Phyrexia was slowly and surely rebuilding itself uh with, with Memnark's uh aid.
2: Yeah. Some metal-fused inhabitants of Meriden were a perfect breeding ground for the spread of the Phyrexian corruption, which made them even stronger at the same time it corroded their minds and bodies. As an example, this turned Darksteel Colossus into the Blightsteel, or Ooh. the Etched Oracle into Etched Monstrosity. So Darksteel is... the Darksteel Colossus versus Blightsteel Colossus is a great example. Same casting cost, still indestructible, but then way, way more heavy metal-looking, in fact, terror of playgroups. groups.
0: <laughs> Very scaly.
2: Yeah. So, basically, over time, they just kept going and going and corroding it until eventually, because of how successful it was in the planes, they split off into their own segments, right? Their yeah. own factions.
0: Their own little sort of color pies. Because yeah. each each sort of faction was, was essentially home to a singular uh, color of mana. So there was, um, there was the the white faction, red, blue, and green and black, and each one had a sort of lead Phyrexian in charge, a Praetor. Um, y'all y'all probably know him pretty well, but uh, there's Elish Norn, the white one, the Grand Cenobite. She was the Praetor of Unity. Uh, she was kind of like the think think Dark Age Christianity style towards completion, which was the method all must of,
2: follow or die.
0: Yeah. Essentially, she, you you got to kind of become a Phyrexian, drink some glistening oil, you know, or you're going to be flayed. Um, yeah,
2: get in line. The total <laughs> fascist, like the, the most dictatorial one.
0: Yeah, pretty, pretty bad. Which, but she oh, thought she was pretty cool. Uh, so, you know, we'll get the light there. It also. Uh, then the, we had a uh, gin which was the blue one. Yes, John.
1: It, if you look at it closely. Each of these colors are just taken to their most toxic forms. Yeah. Like they were... Yeah, That's different.
2: actually not wrong.
1: If you... Elishnor and white. Yeah. Order. And then fascism is the toxic version of order. Voron he's order. survival of the fittest. He's into eugenics. That's pretty... That's its most toxic form. Actually, the only praetor um, that isn't bad... I'm going to use that term loosely... Is Burabrask. Um He's... We'll we'll get really we'll get to that one. About... Yeah,
2: we'll we'll get to it.
1: Yeah. Hmm. Fine. No, but you have Jenga taxes. We'll, we'll get to it. About... We'll get to it.
0: Right now, we're talking They're about Ginga. Yeah, he's the blue prater. Uh, he's he's kind of about e- experimenting, sort of uh, you know poking and prodding, and seeing what's going on. He's more so towards like exploiting the enemies and sort of experimenting on them to find their weaknesses.
2: Yeah, exactly. Again, still a eugenics experiment kind of person, but more to advance his creations into what can beat the enemy versus what is perfection with the white.
0: And more like scientifically informally based rather than just purely emotively based like the, you know, fascist ideology of Elish Norn. Um, then we have Shieldred, who was the Black Praetor, and he was the Whispering One, and he really, really liked just, or she, sorry, oh my goodness, I've been misgendering Shieldred the whole time. Um, (laughs) the, uh, it? she's really all about sort of just enslavement and taking control of people and just, like, think slaughterhouses and just, like, horrible, horrible death camps and such, and that's what Shieldred was kind of in charge of. And she would, it was kind of like a, like, like the white side of ruler die, but with a lot more die. Like yeah. a lot more die.
2: Well, yeah, like not an optional, like Elish Norn wants to convert you. Shouldered wants to kill everyone it doesn't think is worthy of serving and then force the other ones to serve.
0: Yep. And then when they can't serve anymore, kill them anyway. Mm-hmm. And then uh, next up we have Erbrask, who is kind of, kind of polar opposite. He's, he's more so about industry, uh, which kind of goes alongside blue in a sense because they're both about sort of pursuing the greater good for sort of like completion and Phyrexians in general. Where, um, Urbrath though is more so about, um, not, not like the hive mind aspect of Phyrexia, which a lot of the other colors kind of go towards. Work
2: together, Yeah.
0: Yeah. They, they kind of work in unison where he has, uh, Herbrask and his little red factions kind of just underground, hiding, doing their own little thing. Doesn't really want to interfere with other people doing their stuff, so it's just.
2: Just like, wants to make big mega death cannons.
0: Yeah, just like any other casual guy. You know? And
2: put legs on them. Oh,
0: living the dream, dude. <laughs> And then, last but not least, we have big chunky eugenics man uh, Vorn Kleks. He was the uh, Green Praetor, and as John said, he was really, really fond of the survival of the fittest mentality, which is of course a green card. Um, and he would he would just kill anyone he thought was weak, regardless of if they could be or not. Utilization wise, he he just would the those he deemed strong. He would vouch to make stronger, and use like Phyrexian completion to make stronger.
2: Yeah, exactly. Make the Predators even more mega-super Predators. Yes. So they all kind of also split into their own religions, which is a pretty interesting way. Basically, all of them, interestingly enough, are not... You would think at some point they would realize Yawgmoth was kind of the creator of the Phyrexians, but they don't see it that way. They all, in some form or another have this memnarch esque obsession with Karn Carn daddy Karn daddy is right um, yeah start you start right into the machine orthodoxy because what a what a great
0: name. Yeah. So the machine Orthodoxy was the white line for and they were under Elish Norin, as previously stated and they worshiped something known as the uh, ancient Et- or argent etchings which was a, a form of scripture. But um, the orthodoxy would then divide itself into smaller sects, which sects, S E C T S, for clarification. Mm-hmm. Um, and they would uh, follow certain portions of the Archon etchings. The three most prominent sects included the uh, Flesh Singularity, the Porcelain Legion, please tell me that's about toilets, and the Disciples <laughs> of Karn. I'm pretty sure that one is fairly self-explanatory. I've got to I mean, jump in. Oh, the
2: Porcelain Legion would be a great name for a plumbing God company,
0: right? Oh my goodness, dude! With like a little crown on top of the toilet is like their their icon. Um, we're trademark, trademark.
2: Yeah, trademark. We we, we definitely we, have that we name own
0: the Porcelain Legion now. Sorry, guys. Yeah.
2: Wizards don't sue. <laughs>
0: uh, um, yeah,
2: so they all seek to uh, unify the multiverse as Forexia in either perfect hierarchy. At, For like a level playing field.
0: Yep. So it's either like a nice form of a hierarchy with like a king, queen at top, and then like pages and such that sort of follow underneath and serve them, prince, princess. That's yada yada, or just like the card balance where just everyone is the same and everyone is all working together towards one unified goal, and there's no one greater or no one lesser than anyone else.
2: Yeah. So the other factions, the Flesh Singularity, tries to achieve total unity by literally flaying the creatures that inhabit the lands and sowing them all together. They're just like, this is how we will make equality, by combining everyone. Everyone, one big family, yeah.
0: Yes, big boy.
2: Kind of what happened with Atraxa, but in a big ceremony of all of the praetors except Urbresk being a part of it, which is why Atraxa has no red mana.
0: See, ironically, I'm picturing the black card, Wall of Flesh.
2: Yeah. Um, then the porcelain legion wants to repurpose and adapt creatures by implanting white metal plates into their bodies all white phyrexians have this porcelain like metal on their bodies while the disciples of karn previously held karn himself hostage in hope of pushing him even deeper to insanity to glean leadership from the madness
0: oh crazy fan club dude
2: yeah the ultimate toxic they kidnapped him that's uh, represented, like, a bunch in Corrupted Conscience and stuff like that, the magic card. Yeah. Yeah. Um, jump into the blue.
0: Yes. Next up is the Progress Engine, which the name kind of tells you what it does. It's about, it's an engine of progress towards progressing towards something. Let's see. Jenga uh, <laughs> uh, Taxis led these guys, and they sat in the ruined halls of Lumingrid. Um, they kind of hold themselves higher than the other factions, kind of like, you know, hold their nose up in the air uppity style, because informationally based, it's kind of assuming what they're going for. Um, and they pursue what they refer to as the Great Synthesis. They conduct experiments in various laboratories scattered across the Quicksilver Sea, which are oftentimes described as slaughterhouse-like, creating new forms of life and technology at the same time. Um, they're by far the most organized group and that I feel like kind of is in part due to their blue orientation. Cause that just kind of goes hand in hand, like blue research, yada, yada, think Polarian Academy, that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, they have 10 observable ranks. Uh, I wish I could see what those ranks were. Yeah. I don't think they have them
2: yeah, written down there. Yeah, not
0: listed anywhere, unfortunately. Uh, one of their great experiments though, is the Meldweb. Which in the original uh, Pools of Insight are filled with the brains of hundreds of sentient beings all networked together. They That's also. Pretty uh, heavy turn... metal. Yeah, right, dude? Just brain network? Um, <laughs> they also turned Azuri, who was originally a mono green card, into a simic card. And uh, they turned him into the Claw of Progress and made him fight Glissa, which I don't <laughs> think went over too well.
2: Yeah, Azuri's also a great card in both iterations of the card.
0: Yeah, dude. Claw of Progress has some really good combos.
2: We'll be right back. Ever thought modern video games should be more interesting? At The Gaming Blender, we take randomized genres, mechanics, and make a new game every episode. I've added Permadeath. We have a survival game of a hardcore simulation which could be House Flipper and with the Permadeath of XCOM. And that
0: owl has to be an action-adventure. Yes. Oh, dear. Yes. And
2: sometimes it
0: doesn't quite work. And you have, you have a construction-off over the course of the of the narrative. A construction-off? The, uh. way, the way we can do this is that we ditch your idea entirely. Entirely.
2: Check out The Gaming Blender on all your favourite podcast platforms now. Yeah, we talked a little bit about uh, the seven steel thanes, Yes, and that was, uh, Geth is one of them. Uh, the Black-aligned Phyrexians are out for total and utter corruption, slaughter, and enslavement. They don't care about nothing. They are led for the moment by Shouldered. She's at the top of the food chain of the thanes who are all fighting a war of succession to be named the Father of Machines. So the ones beside her are... Crayonox, the deep thane described as masculine, he lords over the corrupting Phyrexian oil and hopes to construct a different fourth layer as a slick oil covered vista, also known as the many legged one. You have Roxith, Thane of Rot, described as masculine. He lords over the flesh uh, flesh uses building and sculpting material. He plans to design the fifth layer of the new Phyrexia made entirely of flesh. They are pretty interesting, these ones. Uh, we fun. talked we talked about Geth in general. Ah uh, as his reward, he was turning. He was given his lordship, kind of for the betrayal. So he he is who really helped them get a foothold on the surface. The story is very different without Geth, but yeah. that is why he got it. Azax Azog, the demon thane, he lords over others with fear and brutality. Thrissic, the writhing thane, described as a snake. Hifat Ro, uh, Roxeth believed believes in an everlasting and ever improving cycle of destruction and resurrection. And then Vran Thrain of Blood, a completed vampire who leads a group of vampire
0: assassins. That's pretty 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 intense. So it's kind of just like a like a fight to see who's the strongest, essentially?
2: Yeah, exactly. They they're in their own little survival of the fittest thing, and all of them have their own weird goals for what they want to do with that black faction, like I said like I was talking about earlier, turning a new layer of it into something made entirely of flesh, which doesn't seem like they're gonna do it farming.
0: No, sir. I also like how they described themselves as masculine a couple times, as, as yeah. in like like because like Geth the the graphic on his card like he's already a pretty jacked like dude, and so to have him in the same context and then describe those as masculine like I can only imagine like how insanely jacked the top two must be the Thana Rot and the Deep Thane. Yep. I think, I oh, think absolutely yoked Jim Bros. Yeah, right. High five walking into the oh, was transcends masculinity? Oh
2: yeah, his spider legs don't need a don't need a <laughs> pump.
0: No, dude. You look at them, you go blind. <laughs> Um, <laughs> next up we have the Quiet Furnace, which is the Redline Frexians, and they were of course led by, uh, oh goodness, why did I forget his name already? Burbrask. thank you. I've played him a trillion times. Um, but Bad they, person. they dwelt in the, uh, furnace Lair of Mirrodin, which was kind of, sort of similar to Old Phyrexia, it was kind of deeper underground. Uh, their primary function was to tend the forges there, just cause red fire. Uh, they would build weapons and then recycle any sort of like failed, dead, frexins uh, Phyrexian, and miridans into um, sort of either uh, energy New pieces or utilize the pieces for other, you know, frexins in progress, stuff like that. During the war times, they would emerge to the surface and expand onto the uh, and expand like into the mountains and such. And while the majority of these Phyrexians still dwell in the depths of the world, uh, several now populate the ox- Oxida chain, uh, beasts designed in the fashion of Mirren animals. Red Phyrexians do differ from all others in the way that they're very uh, empathetic, they feel their emotions very strongly, and they hold a strong sense of individuality. Uh, this caused them to develop empathy for the Mirrodins, and although, because you know, they're still Phyrexians, they're still pretty pretty brutal, pretty messy, Mm-hmm. They, um, their empathy proved to be stronger than their brutality, and it's allowed them to sort of let the Miridins coexist, in a sense.
2: On the Furnace um, Lair, yeah, that's the yeah. only... Miridin was entirely conquered, except for the survivors who retreated to the Furnace, basically.
0: Yeah, And in order to hide this secret, Erbrask demanded that all access to the Furnace Lair be denied to other factions, which essentially isolated himself from the other praetors but it also guaranteed that the survivors would be survivors and not just be murdered the moment that they were uh, found out. Um, the surface Frexians in the mountains kind of serve as guardians to warn if anyone's trying to get in or to prevent people from trying to get in, stuff like that. Uh, a lot of the other factions do ignore the Quiet Furnace, with the exception of the Progress Engine, which is the blue faction uh, previously spoken about, and they're pretty paranoid, they're kind of yeah, they, curious as to what's going on in the in the mountains.
2: They don't trust like that, yeah. Right? Yeah, no, the ginger tax is kind of, I think, understands that something else is going on, and especially knowing that Urabresk is the industrious one wanting to make weapons, doesn't really want to just leave that alone and untouched.
0: Yeah, and that, that that makes the most sense in terms of, like, thought process-wise for a blue creature, just because it's, like, a lot of, like, if-then scenarios are probably running through their head in terms of what is Red doing in the mountain. Yep. Last but not least here we have the Vicious Swarm which uh these are the green aligned frexians and these were the first to kind of attack. Uh they dominated the tangle section of Meridian pretty quickly which was a uh the like heavily green dominated area of Meridian before it was taken over by new frexia. Um they uh Again, survival of the fittest. So they're they're going to run in there pretty pretty quickly and just start beating the life out of stuff to try and find the survivors that they could then convert and complete into Frexians. Uh, like all Frexians, fr- members of the vicious swarm believe that flesh is weak, but unlike other Frexians, they believe new Frexia should progress in a more natural way. So it should be kind of like the rules of nature, rules of like predator prey style, rather than industrialization. Um, this would then allow the strongest, I would, I want to say genetically, but like they're robots sort of artifacts. So like, I don't know if genetics play a part, but essentially the strongest sort of creatures would survive. Uh, they think that artificial engineering should be restricted to making predators more efficient and that sentience and sapience are curses. So they're all about big, dumb, swing, strong.
2: Just, yeah, straight instinct and power.
0: Scream and run at something. (laughs)
2: They are probably the most lunatic-driven ones of them, as you can see with uh, Kaldheim-Vorinclex, where the travel basically ruined all of his flesh, and he was still like, what up? Yeah,
0: I imagine uh, Mel Gibson from that South Park episode.
2: Yeah, they (laughs) are—I would say Vorinclex is probably the strongest. The other ones are probably smarter, uh, a little more powerful in their control of it, but I bet in a straight-up one-on-one fight— that most of them or all of them probably couldn't take who who is like seven foot something.
0: Yeah, and he can just like change his form because there's the form of Vorinclex on Frexia, and then we have the Caldheim Vorinclex, which is more like an animal based mm-hmm. style stylization.
2: Yeah, uh, Vorinclex is something else.
0: Right. I wish. I wish. Like we got Vorinclex. I want to know what the other predators are up to, and I would really like to see other cards of them. I think think shieldred died though
2: something the the forces Some... are definitely gone yeah so they are okay. right now the phyrexians are waging a war against each other yeah for control over the plane and what's going to go on but they are probably at the moment the largest threat to the multiverse like the anyone who followed any of the war on mirrodin and stuff like that the phyrexians annihilated it like they definitely won it wasn't a close like a stalemate and both sides are recovering no they own this plane it is it is new phyrexia now yeah
0: there is no question
2: yeah so like um glissa is the one who currently is kind of in charge of that faction and depending on what source is more canon either the field guide or the quest for Carnarval, she's either like she either really likes carn or hates Karn. <laughs> <laughs> so we don't really know where it is but vorinclex is still the praetor and is still probably the most dangerous even though glissa is the actual powerful part of it um so there is currently still a Mirian resistance on the plane and that's where i think a lot of the story is going to go to so we have um i i believe ash did ashiok go to new phyrexia or to old phyrexia
0: I believe she went to mm-hmm. Old Phyrexia.
2: Yeah, and I know that, uh, I believe Ajani, Elspeth, and Teferi, and Karn are all scouting New Phyrexia right now, right? Correct. Yeah, so we are obviously going to have to see, like, these are these are some of the big baddies that are going to be fought coming up. Yeah. More time for them to progress and more unity in it is going to make it a real problem, especially without our, our typical gatewatch, right? You you have Elspeth still, like, hellbent on trying to just wipe Phyrexians off the map. Uh, Ajani is pretty on board with that, and <laughs> Karn sees this as his own mistake, which, I mean,
0: yeah. is. I hope Karn doesn't do what Karn likes to do and just sit and brood.
2: Yeah, Karn's got to be a little more active with this one, for sure.
0: <laughs> What's funny got me a little spooked though, is that New Phyrexia was able to make a portal called Heim.
1: No. Yeah.
0: Because it's like, no. New Phyrexia beforehand Tybalt was thing. just kind of like, what?
1: Tibble made the portal. Uh, with the Realm Tybalt Sword. did what? Oh, he did? Yeah, with the Realm Sword, he... Okay. I'm like, to that opened
0: a portal. I might be wrong, but...
2: I'm pretty sure...
0: I haven't read it again. I didn't read anything. I think think Elish Norn
2: was just trying to take some part of the tie-right or whatever it was.
0: I think Elish Norn is trying trying to take credit for Tybalt opening the portal here.
2: Man, Elish Norn is cool. Right? Like, that is a straight-out terror painting.
1: Honestly, probably one of, like, my top ten
0: most attractive. Honestly, like, all of the plexus are just cool. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Use the (laughs) realm sword.
2: uh he's got a he's got a body um so one one interesting thing before we get into the resistance is during the final battle in which the phyrexians officially conquered mirrodin a mirian angel named atraxa was captured Elishnorn was impressed by atraxa's tenacity and rewarded in quotes her with completion a process by which organic beings are converted into phyrexians Elishnorn's intent was for atraxa to become the praetor's voice a symbol of phyrexia's unity uh, Alishnorn invited all of the other Praetors to contribute, and only Arabesque declined. The creation marked the final victory of Phyrexia over Mirrodin. Yeah, so tell us a little bit about the resistance. Who's still left?
0: So we have uh, Bladehold, which is an Oriok city in the Razor Fields, uh, defended by a force known as the Accorders, uh, led by Rhea Ivor, the hero of Bladehold, which is a very good card.
2: Is, did they finally give a name to it? Is Rhea Ivor actually what the Hero of Bladehold card's name is?
0: That is that is the Hero of Bladehold's name in the lore. I don't think it's... I, I think she might be in the flavor text on the card in terms of, like, the name. Uh, no, there's no flavor text. There is no Yeah,
2: text. no, so Rhea, Rhea Ivor is just the Hero of Bladehold. So probably a... I think, actually, that card was probably just so popular that they gave it name because it would make a great legendary creature later on
0: right that yeah is, especially with battle cry oh my golly battle um, cry
2: was such a phenomenal mechanic
0: yeah i i wish i had played during this era specifically for the whole like Miran resistance versus new phyrexia like fight that was going on with draft yeah stuff. i that, that i don't think that'll ever happen again and i i feel like that's something i missed out on
2: the, these sets in general were pretty exciting sets to play during and then also uh the entirety of war of the spark war of the spark uh the hour of devastation all of those sets uh, hour of devastation was really fun for like the lore base of it right it gave us lots of good cards all of that amon cat series yeah but but i believe that uh all of the new phyrexia arc and war of the spark have just been the most like impactful in the in recent years at least in terms of like not only lore that captivates you, but also in the fact that like they were fun cards to play, phenomenal mechanics. Like you said, it was really fun to play out like Phyrexians versus like the Mirrodin resistance kind of stuff. Like the Battle Cry versus the Golem Splicers, that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah. And it's just yeah. like, I don't think we'll... I hope we get to a plane where we can have that happen again. Or potentially we have that happen again with the new Phyrexia plane if we end up going back there but just based on the direction magic is heading with like lore and stuff like that i don't i don't think we'll ever see that again
2: i'm going to be honest they better not try and wrap that up in one block i'll lose my mind
0: right yeah they <laughs> i would be so mad
2: yeah if they try to Just quickly wrap up. All right. And New Phyrexia is done. Let's move it on. Yada, yada, yada. Or they do like
0: one set and then like six years later, another set. Like I feel like they're going to do with Strixhaven and Arcavios.
2: Yeah. So Arcavios, they will for sure go back to. But I think that they've got to try and bring some of these new planeswalkers to Mirrodin to try and deal with stuff. I think that's why we're learning so much about them.
0: Oh, because it's leading it, up to the next sort of big War of the Sparks-style event.
2: Yeah, and it yeah. does actually make sense that they've pushed so hard Vivian and Luca, the bonders on opposite sides of the nice-to-animals-versus-animals-as-tools. Yeah. Because either side of it, no matter, no matter. like I said, Luca's not the greatest planeswalker lore-wise in, uh, in the good faction segment. Yeah, but both of them should, in all honesty, be disgusted with what's going on in New Phyrexia. They should want to absolutely step in and stop it, right? As having such empathy for the animals and even using the animals. Could you imagine Luca just becomes bonded with Vorinclex?
0: That would be horrifying. <laughs> um, I don't want to think about that. That'd be nuts. I like Wolf Luca in um in this set.
2: Wolf Luca would be pretty cool. So. It is cool that to know that Bladehold is still a holdout. Uh, so around Bladehold lies the razor circle passages, which were created by Golma the Shaper in order to help the survivors access the refugee strongholds in the furnace Layer. The passages are made up of razor grass crop circles activated only during the presence of the white sun. Yep. That's and then,
0: cool. Uh, next up with that, we have Lowlight, which is an encampment formed by the surviving L- Lenonin Abunas, led by Kemba, uh, situated in the Cave of Light. Uh, it's surrounded by enchantments that protect it from the intense heat of the Great Furnace, because it is nearby, because cave, the Cave of Light is uh, near the mountains in Myrdan. Um The camp is made up from scraps of skin and geometrically raised crests of the floor's metal. Squeal Stokes often raid the camp looking for things to burn. Just, you know. That's pretty
2: cool. And it is also good to know that Kemba's still around. Also another interesting legendary card, which we'll probably see more of
0: what uh it was that was, it was a mono white card right yeah oh
2: honestly as well now that i'm thinking of these with kemba i was also thinking of like the white sun zenith like make all the cat tokens oh but yeah. we're we are likely to see more of the sun zenith style cards if we do go back to for Phyre- uh new phyrexia and blue sun zenith is like one of my most played cards i absolutely love that card
0: i have it sitting in a binder right now and i have no idea what Put it in because it's just anything pro- with blue, love it. I know, but it's like I have so many blue decks, where would it fit the best in?
2: True. Uh yeah, like oh, Green okay. Sun Zenith is a great fetch card. No one really plays Red Sun Zenith. Um
0: Black yeah. Sun is pretty good. Yeah, that's the one yeah, where that. you return the uh creature cards from your graveyard, right?
2: No I think Black Sun Zenith is minus yeah. one minus one counters. I think it's a pretty good board wipe.
0: Yeah. Life. Um finale uh the
1: Liliana finale is the one that is returns it? stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah
0: that's what I was thinking of.
2: Oh, that is also interesting as well, because uh, they are still using Liliana, right? The, a lot of the gatekeep is not in the story, but Liliana's obsession with bringing Gideon back, especially seeking out Belladross and the uh, the mystical archive, that's Liliana's still a character going around, and I don't think Liliana is going to stop. And Belladross's conversation with Liliana was really focused on Liliana helping the living, and actually treating them better. So this would be a good place for Liliana to maybe have a redemption arc.
0: Hopefully.
2: I would love to honestly see some, like an Orzov Liliana. Where yeah, she dude. becomes a little with the the white law and order. Kind of bring things back, flicker things kind of.
0: Yeah, or like she has like a sorts to plowshare style ability as a minus or something like that for something.
2: Yeah, I just I do think that there's a redemption arc for Liliana in the cards coming because they're, like I said, Liliana was part of the Gatewatch, but not really like a good part. She was controlled by demons terrified of death. Liliana's a really, really interesting character. And I do think that they are going to have to touch on it. And what a better place to lead a redemption arc than the Mirrodin era era, right? Like, yeah. She is very, she feels very guilty that Gideon took her place dying.
0: And we don't really have, I mean, we have Basri Cat right now as a White Walker, and Ajani is still around. Yeah. We haven't really gotten a new Ajani card recently, and I don't see Basri Cat having that much of an impact on the story, because it seemed like he was more localized to his set, at least from what I could see in the, in the lore from that set. I think it was just M21 though, right? I
2: do see Elspeth moving more into oh, yeah. the black mana or red mana.
0: Forgot about Elspeth.
2: Yeah, because Elspeth's on, on a nightmare. Like, yeah. El- Elspeth was in hell, had to escape from hell basically by, like, pure rage. I-, I do think that Elspeth will be a little more evil genocidal.
0: She's playing Doom Eternal right now.
2: Yeah. <laughs> There's, there is there is going to be an interesting thing, but, like, I just I can't really see... Right now they're kinda of being a little play like playful with the planeswalkers, right? Like how are Will and Rowan gonna face up with Elish Norn, you know?
0: I would love to see that fight.
2: Yeah, like they'll they you know, they're like playful, like here's here's my scholarly approach, yeah. and then Elish Norn just impales them and vivisects them like
0: Just flays, flays, um what you call it, uh you know who you know who we should see um pop in for the whole Frexie bit? We should see the Wanderer come back.
2: Yep. Well, I think, John, was it you saying before that the Wanderer is kind of supposed to be yourself?
0: Yeah, but she still shows up in
1: the story. Like, can't remember uh, who was saying that. She was that. tracking down Tezzeret for a time after War of the Spark. Like, they include her in the story. Oh, yeah. But, so I think she's she's w- kind of like the stand-in for you.
2: Yeah, which is why she just goes to whatever plane, right?
1: Yeah. Like, if she falls unconscious, she'll just instantly teleport.
0: Okay. that's pretty. That's pretty cool also off track, it can
1: but suck, um, depending on where you tell. but um Lazav and Tesseract are working together fun fact but Oh I related. keep
2: forgetting the Tesserats around Tesseract's really He lunatic. was like
1: he was Oh and he he was also seated, kind of No he was seated at the right hand of Karn yeah,
2: I, he's like well. baby bolus
1: Really I mean Bolus was really the only thing stopping oh, yeah, him you had he
0: had a card
2: I do think that they are gonna have to bring Nicobolas back at some point, probably to fight Eldrazi. I still think that. I'm gonna keep saying that.
0: <laughs> They're gonna bring him back to... as Nicolas. I wanna see a completed Nicobolas. Could Ooh. you imagine? Throw some throw some like white or green in.
2: The Praetor King Nicobolas?
0: Oh baby. Five color. They did it I'll... with uh what's his face?
2: Niv is it. Yes. I uh, I think there's a know? strong chance of Niv-Mizzet and Omnoth also becoming Planeswalkers at some point. I
0: would Not love... Really? Wait, did you say Omnoth is a Planeswalker?
2: I, b- I believe so, because Omnoth just keeps getting extra colors of mana, right? It would make sense that Omnoth would be a bean gathering enough mana to... Like, that is how Planeswalker Sparks typically ignited, right? With so much mana gathering. And that's what Omnoth I mean, that has done, increasing the colors. So I, I could... I, yeah, and I, I think that Omnath could become one, especially to go fight Eldrazi when they're back.
0: Oh, in order to, like, planes walk.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. To finally unleash that mana in some kind of mega Silex blast, like we talked about last time.
0: Yeah. They should bring back. Yeah, the, uh, they should bring back the uh, Golgothian Silex, but the Phyrexian Silex.
2: That would be pretty cool. Uh,
0: just bring back Urza or something.
2: Yeah, the like I said, the. Mirrodin is just set up to have to go back to, right? The fact that they're making these different spheres, that they have so many very, like, potent uh, legendary creatures to try deal with, right? Who have just been amassing their own armies, unifying more and more in their own ways, getting stronger, Urobrusk making weapons, because although Urobrusk is empathetic to the Mirians, Urobrusk is still a Phyrexian, still a Praetor.
0: He's still doing his due diligence, what yeah, is exactly. also a little concerning is the fact that there is glistening oil on Ixalan, Uh She's coming out of a fountain.
2: What? On Ixalan.
0: Yeah, the wellspring of I-, I think it was the the card wellspring of Ecor.
2: Which one was Ixalan? I'm trying to. Um vampires. To oh, it was vampires was the and dinosaur. Oh yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Primal wellspring. Yeah, the
0: Phyrexian invasion of Ixalan. Fount- uh, fountain Primal of Ecor. Okay, yeah. Fountain yeah. of Ecor. <laughs> Literally, it literally has like glistening oil coming out of the fountain. And the hmm. uh the flavor text says Sun Empire Priests thought they were digging a well, what they tapped was something different entirely. And it essentially turned... uh and it the art the card itself is an artifact that taps for mana, and then you can pay three to make it an artifact dinosaur creature. Which for would dinosaurs
2: like, would be tight.
0: Right? And that's like that's what it kinda seems like. It's heading towards I mean, a there was foreshadowing, a... so I think before we go
1: You guys remember Rotting Regisaur? What?
2: Yep. That was that kind of the start a... of it. I think that was mm, Corset, right?
0: That was uh Corset twenty twenty. Yeah. yeah. And that was a zombie dinosaur. Yeah, fair enough. Still. That is really cool. Um, but, what was it? I think before we go back to New Phyrexia, we're going to go to uh, Ixalan again, and it's going to be kind of a little completed.
2: Uh, well, that would actually be a good spot to go to, right? Because Ixalan was, again, a really, really cool plane. It's pretty flesh, so it would make sense that a really slow completion would be happening. And it would be a great spot to be able to convince the new whatever the new Gatewatch-esque uh, organization is going to be, seeing the dangers of Phyrexia left alone spreading to another plane could be the catalyst to trigger the war of going to new Phyrexia.
0: I'm also reading that the wording, like uh, the wording specifically on Fountain of Ecor is important because um, it, it's not a word often used in MTG, but four out of five times it's been in reference to Phyrexia. Because uh, they could have called it Fountain of Oil or Fountain of Tar or something of the sort if they were referencing yeah. like compressing down ma- oil like dinosaur bones to make oil as like a joke or something of the sort. But c- considering the fact it's used as Ecor and that's used in reference to prior Frexian based cards,
2: yeah, like Ickremir.
0: Yeah, kind of, kind of feels like you know. I think I I think if it is like Phyrexia, though, I think it's old Phyrexia before new Frexia. Just because well,
1: definitely not it doesn't
0: seem as though... No. well, I
1: would be surprised if Ixalan was Old Phyrexia. Like but could you imagine Old Phyrexia
2: like... versus New Phyrexia as that faction war?
1: Ooh, I don't think New
0: Phyrexia could win. That would well, be so cool to see. And I think New Phyrexia is
2: getting stronger.
0: I feel like it would be a cool way to kind of counteract the, the, the horrors that are surrounding New Phyrexia right now. It's just kind of give them a taste of the, the old school.
1: I
2: could to it, be honest, you know? we don't know where Ashiok's going. But if Ashiok is going to Old Phyrexia, Ashiok finding find it and bringing Phyrexia. it back to life, that could be the Phyrexian Civil War. Could be a pretty cool thing if that is what it is, where the new Phyrexians, worshiping Karn, are fighting the old nightmare-based Yogmoth Phyrexians.
0: The old school oh. Yog Daddy boys.
2: Yeah, the Yogg Father
1: this
0: probably won't happen That'd be really i i just hope regardless that Perfect. within the next few go back
1: but i could see xylon being like on the surface what happen, being old Phyrexia. like think about it like it's been thousands of years it recovered hmm. from its des- destruction that could and be it became cool. like a very large inhabited place and the sun empire was drilling down like, just and they wipe found it the out the oil the oil ocean
2: yeah you know what i mean sounds- at some point, they'll have to kind of address where the Phyrexian oil came from and what it is.
1: Yeah.
0: Because
2: obviously, it keeps replenishing itself.
0: And they can't just well, I think, like, uh, leave get that untouched because it's such an important piece of new Phyrexian form. Maybe it's mass producible.
1: You know, like t- t- turn people into Phyrexian oil.
2: Yeah.
0: that's Maybe, maybe that's what um, Herbrask is doing in the mountains, melting them down into oil.
2: I do think it's a really fun thing, by the way, to know that uh, Taxis entirely hates Vorinclex and thinks Karn is just an incompetent ruler.
0: I think I think that's just because Gingetaxis thinks he's all that, though. Yep. Getting some Urza vibes from Gingetaxis. He's just—he holds himself to that utmost sort of. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So he sees the original father of machines as ultimately imperfect. Is the original father of machines Yagmath? It is Yagmath, yes, yes, sir. So he just doesn't think Yogmoth is good enough, he doesn't think Karn is good enough. I wonder what what kind of a being he uh kind of wants to lead it. Uh it is implied as well that Jinja Taxis has access to white and black mana. Norn
0: the yeah. Wary is who he wants.
2: <laughs> the <laughs> ultimate. I love Norn the Wary so much.
0: He's so bad. He's the most cautious, and that's what I feel uh feel like Jinga Texas is all about is caution and taking taking it one step at a time and sort of understanding the enemy before moving in. So I think I think Norn the wary is ex- is exactly what he's looking for in a leader.
2: Shouldred's actually pretty cool too.
0: I can't believe I've I have thought Shieldred was a dude this whole time. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. The Shield.
2: the whispering one.
0: Dude, the the mouth on the base of the body is insane. Yeah, and right. when you
2: look at it in it's big drawings of it and find out that, like, its spider body is also a giant Vorinclex-looking head. Horrifying. Yeah. And that, like, uh, it's kind of, like, uh, shouldered is kind of like a big scorpion thing inside this big, like, four or six-legged mandibled spider thing.
0: And it just really, really makes you wonder, like, imagine you're walking through the Mycosynth, and you hear some scuttling above you, and you look up and you just see that. Yeah. It's like, oh my god.
2: <laughs> it's, it says Shouldered can separate her body into two pieces. Her relatively human-eyed torso actually locks into an access inlet built into her monstrous lower half. Though few have seen it, Shouldered appears to shed her large, predatory, more mobile body and skid around on the ground.
0: Slither skidder to a new home. So I wonder if she molts her, if that's like a uh, bottom port, it's like a shell, and she has to molt it after a certain amount of time and like find a new host. And that really makes you wonder, where's she getting them? Where are these giant heads coming from? What do they belong to?
2: Probably, honestly, honestly, it looks like it just took over and put on metal plates on one of the predators that Vorinclex enhanced.
0: Enhanced. That would make sense. And that, no, that would but, kind of um, work towards, because like even though, especially the black faction is kind of just fighting within itself, that would still kind of um, point towards the uh, hive mind sort of mentality that the, all the factions kind of have towards working towards that ultimate goal of completion, where they'll still kind of help each other out and stuff.
1: Mm. But going back to Jingu, yeah, it
2: says like Dan all says of these predators uh, are such cool, yeah.
1: Dan said that Jenga Taxus had access to white and black mana. It makes you think because Elish Norn conquered Shield mm-hmm. and Urabrask. I don't remember that, but that's what I read. So she controls Mardu mm-hmm. portions of the plane. So really, she only has Jenga Taxus and Bornplex to contend with. So it's kind of interesting that Jenga Taxus also has access to the mana
0: that Elishnorn Norn conquered. Norn, yeah, because they're kind yep. of in Kind of working together in a sense. It's weird that she didn't give him access to black, though.
2: Ah, no, so it's white and black, yeah.
0: Oh, sorry, I thought (laughs) it was white and red. Sorry about that.
2: No, so no, yeah, no green mana and no red mana currently. Yep. But it does make sense, like, that uh, they are working together and through the experiments that they, that Ginger Taxes would learn to access these other colors.
0: What I think's really cool is that Elish Noren utilized the uh, other colors to form a Traxa.
2: Yep. I like I said, is so cool, especially when you know the lore of they're like, alright, everybody put your finishing touches on this. We're playing Build a Bear.
1: Why don't I Era Bear oh, A Traxa.
2: Probably because Erax didn't want to play Build A Bear with a Broken Angel.
0: He just wants <laughs> to build weapons with legs.
2: I wonder if though I never even thought about it, but if they go back to new Phyrexia there will probably be a new Atraxa.
0: Yeah, Ooh, I like that.
2: I feel I feel like it would be yeah, it would be negligent for them to not Atraxa is still one of the most favorite commanders so they've got to do something for
1: it.
0: Same old Atraxa? Oh, no, I was going to say infect. I wonder if they'll make her walker
1: give her infect.
2: Yeah, Atraxa with infect would be pretty cool.
0: And make her cost one extra black mana for it. <laughs> Ooh, I like that.
2: Uh yeah, they're there is gonna be a lot of like new cool things, but I, I just knowing that Glissa, Azuri, all of those things are still kicking around. I'm pretty sure Azuri and Glissa are both still kicking around because yes. there's Yeah. With their new color pairing, so we'll probably see another kind of Azuri. Uh I didn't know that Thrun was the last troll because of that great vanishing, so I would love to see what Thrun, uh, Thrun has been doing.
0: What I <laughs> want to know is What's Jessica do oh wait when when did Jessica go to Jessica's uh... dead. Jessica's mad dead. Yeah, Jessica's long since been dead, but I'm noting that she's been a visitor to the plane.
2: Yeah, the plane was originally made for her to practice oh. on, I think, for her to like yeah. blow
1: golems up. Karn made the That's the mic Yeah, Karn made the golems to for her to blow up. But no, she's been she's long since dead.
2: Yeah, so like the whole it was like basically a big training ground for Jessica. Yeah, Jessica is dead.
1: Yeah, she died during the mending.
2: I mean, it would make
1: sense. A lot of planeswalkers died to seal the time rifts.
2: Okay, yeah, that's when the planeswalkers just are not gods anymore, right? That's why Karn can't. Yeah, they got they
1: got a huge new
2: new Phyrexia. (laughs) Well, it, it also seems as well that they're trying to move planeswalkers' power down. You see that with the new Will and Rowan and stuff. I think they realize that they made kind of a mistake with um, things like Oko, for instance.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a little a little Broko. And I mean, um, Liliana of the Veil vale and the original uh, Karn Planeswalker card are just absolute staples in modern decks and stuff like that. And just watching yeah. how single cards can warp the format. Even Ugin. Um just watching how they, they can warp, like, the meta and and the format overall, it probably just made them think, okay, we done goofed.
2: I think uh, it's kind of a bummer that Venser's not around and kicking, because I liked Venser a lot.
1: Me too, man. Venser was very fun, but really? then we wouldn't have Karn running around and kicking. So, I mean, you got to kind of pick one or the other in that case.
0: I kind of wish we had Venser. <laughs> yeah, to be honest, Venser's dope. Yeah, Karn's but nice. Yeah, no, well, but, like, he's angst-
2: I was gonna say we'll we'll end up wrapping there. We we wanted to talk mostly about those Praetors because I think that they're going to be extremely relevant in new sets. I think they're the next big baddie that people have to fight. Right? We've only seen small minor villains on planes, but seeing Vorinclex on Kaldheim definitely shows that there's an actual issue. Right? The only the only other thing I think that we're gonna see is maybe the in the reintroduction of uh, Emrakul when they're back in Innistrad. I think that that's possibly why they did the plane because those are the big threats. And then obviously we talked about the ones that uh there's different things uh Urza, when he traveled to the one plane and they said there's there's worse things out there. Oh yeah. You've got yeah, to do yeah, yeah, that. Yeah.
0: Where they like wouldn't they only let him in and since then he couldn't find the plane.
2: Yeah. Um I don't think that the slivers are currently a threat. I think a lot of them are dead from coming back to the Urborg. But we do keep seeing them pop up and things so Yes. I th- and and we see them not need the hive mind anymore. Long-lived. And I, I think that unleashed slivers could also be a problematic uh, thing especially if one of them ever learns to planeswalk.
1: Yeah. Or if and a I could, I, I
0: don't see a planeswalking sliver happening, but I could see cuz like if you look at siphon sliver, it's kind of Yeah, cuz well if you look at siphon sliver, it's kind of humanoid. So I could see like a human sliver kind of hybrid or like a Planeswalker sliver hybrid where it's like not just pure sliver but like a mixture of the two.
2: To be honest, yeah, Vorinclex finding the slivers would be a nightmare process of him just making them stronger and stronger and that better and just, better.
0: Oh, no, It'd be like sliver legion on steroids. <laughs>
2: Vorinclex gains like, the sliver yeah. legion type.
0: Oh, my goodness. And they all gain him.
2: Sliver yeah. Praetor. To be honest, I want to see them try complete an, like uh, one of the Eldrazi. Completed Eldrazi would be just awesome.
0: What would be really neat want... to see is if they completed because again the Eldrazi, especially like the big three, are just extensions of the main like bodies. So it'd be neat to see what happens if you try to complete like the extension and if that would carry on through like the Blind Eternities as uh, onto the original bodies of the uh, the Eldrazi,
2: or if it would just poke the bear.
0: Yeah. Ooh.
2: Yeah, because we still, like I, I, I said, we don't know if those Marit are the Lodge only on the Titans, ice. right? And that would be cool.
1: To kill Emrakul? Uh
2: Marit Lodge is on what plane? Dominaria?
1: Dominaria.
0: I think. Yeah. Yeah, that she's makes sense. Frozen, frozen in the, in the ice, ice and Dominaria, right
2: the great hidden horror. I think that Merilage is possibly another one of the Eldrazi. Or a That'd
1: predator cool to of such Eldrazi. Eldrazi. Seeing as she does have a color identity.
2: Yeah.
0: Which, I Which one?
2: Uh, Merit Lage does?
0: But, yeah, she's black. I think she's black.
2: Oh yeah, it is a yeah, black token. Black. You're not wrong.
0: And it's a horror. But yeah, w- like I
2: said, we'll be, able to, we'll be able to ramble a little bit about this <laughs> basically infinitely. Uh, like I said, we wanted to talk about the Praetors. I think that they're going to be one of the big baddies. And I wanted to touch on them a little more because we're going to bring them up from time to time because a lot of lore crosses over with these Phyrexians, right? Like we're going to at a certain point, be talking. Um, uh, Dac on Blackblade was just revealed to be in Modern Horizons, right? So, we'll be talking some of that kind of stuff. Like, some of the older lore creatures really do interact with this story in different ways, right? But some of the new legends that are going to be coming up, if we ever go back, like I said, uh, this uh, Rhea Ivor, I believe, was the name of the Hero of Bladehold, and Hero of Oxid Ridge also likely has its own name. They they probably are going to bring... Like I said, I, I want to know what's going on with Thrun. And knowing what the Praetors are doing, especially with them showing up in the story, is going to be important because I was kind of shocked that Ginger Taxis wasn't in Strixhaven like, trying to learn stuff.
0: I want more yurt. Yeah, he was actually uh, <laughs> a leak. It's true. It was a false I mean, leak, it turned um, out. i people more yurt.
2: All right, I'm, I'm wrapping you guys. Yeah. Okay. Uh, th- thank you so much for listening. Um, You can find... All of our stuff on into the 99com There's multiple other shows there. You can see them. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening. Feel free to check out our Patreon, any of the streams we do. The other shows on the network, which is Parallel Thoughts with uh, Zach and Benson. And Brewing It Live with Lotus. The stream is moving to Saturdays. Show up and actually make a deck it. It's very, very fun. Great hosts. Great times. Uh, thank you like very much for listening to the lore. Obviously, we'd love to talk about it and hearing me learn to read is fun so (laughs) thank you guys so much and yeah have a great night